I can't do this. I hate math. I'll never learn how to read. I hate school. I'm bad at this. I'm stupid. All these statements are examples of the types of things our learners feel when they are meeting us for the first time. We are very aware that when a new learner and their family walk in the door, they are feeling vulnerable and that these statements are swirling around in their heads. This is especially true for middle school and high school learners who are well aware of their own learning struggles. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the mindset of a struggling learner. We'll then discuss a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset and the impact that educational therapy can have in transforming the mindset of a struggling learner. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 39 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. Today, we're discussing the mindset of a struggling learner. Before we get started, we wanted to make sure that you knew that there is a freebie associated with this episode, which is available under the episode on our blog page on our website. Or if you're a part of our email list, you'll have already gotten this. If you haven't already, go ahead and sign up for our email list so you don't always have to go to our website, www.learnsmarterpodcast.com, to get our freebies. We will always email them to you. Also, just a reminder, CAP Educational Therapy Group and My Ed Therapist are both hiring. Those links are in the show notes. Our ideal team members are dynamic educators, ideally with educational therapy certification, but we'd be open to fabulous teachers or educational therapy students, or learning support and resource specialists. We've discussed mindset before as topics in other episodes, including episode 11, called Math is a Four-Letter Word. In episode 28, Motivating the Unmotivated, we talk about how mindset is incredibly linked to intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. And in episode 31, called It's Always Something, we discuss how important it is to have a professional on the team to acknowledge the growth that has taken place. It's incredibly tricky for students and parents to mark their own progress. So Steph, you have an update on a client success story that you've been sharing on the podcast the last couple of weeks about our milkshake girl. Yes, milkshake girl. So She earned a couple of milkshakes, if you didn't listen to that part. She has a really hard time turning in her homework. And what I figured out as a currency for her is walking across the street because literally across the street, there's a (laughs) jack-in-the-box. And she loves vanilla milkshakes. So we started out with four days, and then she earned a milkshake if she turned in all her homework. And then we turned it to five days, and then a full week. And then we tried to stretch it to two weeks. It was too long. Two weeks was too long. So after Rachel and I consulted about this a little bit, we decided to go with six days. And she did the first six days. And so we walked across the street and she got her milkshake. And then now we're going to do seven days. Okay. So we have it planned out on the calendar that as of next Tuesday, because this week that we're recording, it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day, so she doesn't have school today. So Mm -hmm. it's a little bit longer in time, but that's seven school days or seven days worth of homework. So next week, 
she will earn herself a milkshake. And one of the things that I think was really important that you reminded me when I said, if she does this six or seven days and she comes to me two days later, but she hasn't turned in an assignment, mm-hmm. you reminded me to still reward her for the six days. Right. So I think that's a good reminder for all of you smarties that if you set a goal and your child reaches it, but you're not able to complete it before they might falter. You mean you're not able to give the reward, right? Yeah, so that it's important that you still live up to your word, that that was the set expectation. Right. And then if they take a step back and aren't able to do it, then you start again. Exactly. Can I give an update on a client that you coached me on, I think, a couple episodes about? Sure. So a refresher for you and for our Smarties. The client that I was sharing was signing in and out of Schoology and Google Calendar and all that. Yes. Yes. I actually had to listen to that episode like two days ago. So it's very fresh in my mind. Yes. Yes. So go back to episode 38 and listen to that story where Steph coached me a little bit. So my student was signing in and out. Every time he would come into session, he'd have to sign into his Google Calendar and into his Schoology. And I found this a huge waste of time. And it was something he was really digging his heels in about. So I asked him about it and he didn't really have a good reason other than that's how he does things, Mm -hmm. which any time that's the answer to something, you and I, our ears like pickle, like, right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like a puppy. And we like, and like, even between us, I'll ask you, well, why do you do it like that? And sometimes (laughs) you're like, I don't know. That's how I do it, Rachel. And (laughs) That's an opportunity for us to take a moment and say, hmm, do we really need to do it like that? Anytime we're answering with, that's how I do things, there's opportunity to evaluate that and right growth. there. And growth. And so I shared with him that I'd like him to keep it, like you said, on his bookmark bar. Mm-hmm. And he did. And I said, this is something that you always need to have at your fingertips. And it's also something that's taking up seven minutes of our session time. Because he just takes a long time to do a lot of things. And so I was done wasting time on that. And he's like, fine, you get your way. (laughs) Which I've been hearing a lot lately from clients, haven't I? (laughs) And for all of you smarties, that's Rachel's favorite, favorite (laughs) sentence. You get your way? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So tomorrow's episode that's coming out for when we're recording this is our episode on SMART goals. Should I share that story of what I texted you? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So let me share the story. So my client was setting a SMART goal and he was struggling a little bit. He's been doing really well. And so finding a goal was actually difficult because he's in the competency phase of educational therapy. And so he's really at the tail end. We've pulled back on sessions. And I think I've shared on the podcast before how sad he was that I was pulling back on sessions for him. But it's because he's killing it and he's doing so well. But we were setting a SMART goal. And I've been having my clients post them up in the office. So we have like a sign that says SMART goals 2019. And he was writing a goal about how he was going to put more details in his writing by asking the question, why? And asking the question, so what? Why is this important? And what does it mean, basically, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to expand his writing? So I was having him fill out a little sheet that I'm having clients fill out. And on the step where we decided the A in SMART goals is actionable, he wrote, I do have the skills to do this, but I don't really have the motivation, which I thought was fair. Mm -hmm. And then on the question where it says, is this realistic? And he said, yes, 
because Rachel told me so, and she always gets her way. (laughs) And I saw this, and I burst out laughing. It was right after we had had a battle in session. Steph, this would so have triggered you, so I'm just going to walk you through it. You know how on a on a MacBook you can have multiple screens and use three fingers to swipe through the screens? Yes. So he comes into session, and he is so thrilled to show me that he has about 20 screens open that each have a different background. I can't. And I'm sure he's expecting me to be like, oh, that's so cool. Look at all the different pictures. And I just looked at him and I was like, this goes against everything we ever talk about in here. You're only allowed to have at most two screens. And that's if you're doing a side by side, right? Like you're looking at both of them simultaneously. But you shouldn't have 20 screens that you're able to swipe through. And we battled it out and I had to go to the bathroom. And so I was like, by the time I'm back, there better be no more than two screens open. And he was heartbroken. And I said, listen, If you want a crazy background with all these different pictures of all your friends, have at it. Create a screensaver that looks like that, but do that on your own time. Like create a background that looks like that can have multiple pictures in it, but that's on you to figure that out. And he was so sad, but this is just an example. And I literally said to him, this is what your brain looks like. This is the visual representation of what a student with ADHD's brain looks like. They have 20 screens open simultaneously, and they don't know where to go for what. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I can't. You do two screens quite often, and it irks me a little bit. It's too much for me. That's because we have so many email staff that I have to like. (laughs) I know. Uh, Believe me, I get it. I understand. But it's also how on my desktop on the background and ends up I have to download so many things for the podcast right. that like I need easy access to and you see my desktop and you're like ah there's yeah. too many things so I get it but yeah it's like oh it's six screens in let me find it <laughs> like, no, I, can't. I mean it's what we always preach which is our students need to know where they're going and when but they also need to have access to whatever they need the second that they need it on-demand access, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have this problem, quite frankly, between Amazon Prime, Netflix, and Hulu. I'm like, what? Which app is this show on? (laughs) And thank God for Apple TV, because I'm constantly like, Apple TV, just tell me. Just open it up for me, because you can just talk to it. Yeah, so you're really thankful for Siri, is what you're saying. I mean, for sure, with my Apple TV, I almost never use Siri. and I use Siri to set an alarm. But that's about it. But that when you're talking at Apple TV, it's Siri. It is Siri. I'm very grateful because I never <laughs> remember which app it's on. And there's only three. And I know I can't be the only one that doesn't know, where is that show again? Like, And then you have all the other different apps because we don't have regular TV. And so because we cut that cord three years ago. And so anyway. Anyway, back to the scheduled program. Back to scheduled programming. We have heard from you, Smarties, a lot about how much you like these personal anecdotes about what's going on in our businesses with our clients. So we're just trying to bring you more of what you like, people. (laughs) Way to help and show up for the people. I'm showing up for the people. I like it. By the way, as we're talking about this, I'm going back to our Google Doc for this episode. I can't find it. You know why? Too many screens open. Shutting uh-huh. it down right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Steph, go for it. So back to mindset. Yes. And this is a really important thing that I don't know that we've talked about this, but I actually talk about it usually on intake calls. 
Yes, I do too. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Because I think we both think it's really important. And a lot of people aren't aware of the power that it holds and how it really can stop a lot of kids from progressing and trying new things. So, And parents too. Parents yeah. get stuck with a lot of mindset issues and key words for that is, but they should be able to do this. Yeah, it's true. Which it's is true. something that we'll talk about in next week's episode. We're doing another on-air coaching call and we talk a lot about being mindful about when you're saying those specific words mm-hmm. because they're not doing it yet. For sure. But parents feel as if they should be. Especially if there's like siblings at the same age, you yes. know, and, and twins, yes. you know, reminding you to run your own race. So what's your definition of uh, growth mindset? In my opinion, and the way that I explain it to clients is having an attitude and approach that is open and receptive to failure. Mm. And being comfortable knowing that I may try and I may fail, but I'll try again and I'll use a different strategy. Yeah. As opposed to being completely shut down in a fixed mindset and not being able to even make the attempt because they say things like, I hate math or I'm stupid, or it's basically a limiting belief that you're not able to do something. What's your definition? Yeah, I was thinking about that as you were talking. Mm. And I think I often say it's learning how to do something and being open enough to try when you fail, to try again when you fail. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about on the podcast, The Power of Yet. Yeah. And we're going to link some books that we both use in our practices that are really great to help teach your children and your family to live in more of a growth mindset zone, so to speak. It shifts the whole family. When we teach our learners about growth mindset, that's usually a conversation that I then facilitate between the student and their parent if the parent's around. Mm -hmm. And it makes the parent hyper aware of their own limiting beliefs as well. And we'll talk about the books a little bit more, but I have one that I often have parents look at that's in my office. Mm. So if it's sometimes the first session, I might hand it to the parent and say, look at this while we're working. Oh, we've never discussed that. You've never told me that. Okay. Let's let's do it. So Steph, can you give a little history lesson on where growth mindset came from? Yeah. Growth mindset came from a woman named Carol Dweck, and she wrote a fabulous book called Mindset. And she did a TED Talk talking about what a growth mindset really is and how it works And that's something we've linked in our freebie, both the book and the TED Talk. And the TED Talk is something that I've actually had students watch in session before. Mm. Mm -hmm. There is a Khan Academy video that I've used a bunch of times that talks about growth mindset and about how when you first learn to walk, you fall down a bunch of times and how really brilliant people like Albert Einstein, he wasn't born knowing his ABCs and he didn't know how to read and he had to learn all of these things. It's a couple minutes. I've watched that with uh, clients before in session. With clients, a Khan Academy talk. That now, I will say that's not going to be included on our freebie list because (laughs) that list is already done. So (laughs) we're not redoing it, but go Google Khan Academy growth mindset. Yeah, maybe I'll throw it in the Smarties group. Okay, that's a great idea. I like it. Put it on your calendar for the day the episode comes out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Steph, 
I think it's really important that we talk about the mindset of a struggling learner. We mentioned in our opening a little bit about how students are feeling when they're coming to us, particularly students who are slightly older and have an awareness. But what are some of the things, the emotions that you notice in students when they're starting off in educational therapy in terms of their mindset? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is it's very hard to be vulnerable. Yeah. And a lot of them are ashamed yes. and frustrated and very apologetic yes. about how they've been doing things, but they don't know any other way because that's what's been getting them through. So sometimes they're obstinate, right? And aggressive yeah. back and kind of reject us. Very much so. And we have to win them over. Yes, which seems to be a specialty of mine. And yes. uh, I really enjoy the challenge. Yes. <laughs> You know why, stuff? I'm just going to reflect back because you're not scary. Yeah, I'm not. And I think a quality that we both share is we've kind of got a laid back California vibe going. And whether or not we feel like that internally, that's how we present a lot of the times. And also, you and I know how to make it better for these kids. For sure. So when they're coming in and they're feeling all these things, one of the things I will just say to them, I'm like, you don't know it yet. It's about to get so much better. Oh, for sure. I say that. Mm -hmm. For sure. Or it's appealing to what they want. What do you really want? Do you want your parents off your back? Yes. Yes. Let's do it. (laughs) I'm all in on that goal. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've had a middle school or a high school student for that first session. And the parent is in because I welcome the parents in for about the first third of that first session to set the stage of what educational therapy is, to set the stage of what it isn't, to manage expectations of how long things are going to take, to provide an explanation of why I start where I start. Because parents usually want us to start in the building phase of educational therapy, but there's no foundation. Yeah. So we have to do the assessment phase. And if you guys haven't listened to that episode, we'll link it. It's episode 37, I believe, where Mm -hmm. we talk about the educational therapy journey and the process. It's called How Educational Therapy Works. Thanks, Steph. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I do that immediately allows me to partner with the student is the second the parent leaves the room, I first of all, wait a minute because you can kind of hear outside my office, but then I go, okay, what's really going on? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Because parents have their own perception, but the student is the one I'm helping. And so sometimes they see that I'm in it with them. And even though the parent is the paying client, I'm here for the student. Yeah. And it partners me with them. Yeah, it does. It does. And they trust you. Yes. So... Going over the mindset again, they're vulnerable. Mm. A lot of times they're angry, nervous, scared, apprehensive. Younger kids can be completely oblivious to why they're there. And we are just fun people to play games with sometimes. Right. Especially when I have a younger kid that comes in and they're just playing games and we're just doing that for a little while before we really start to talk about what is going on and how we can really make things easier and better for them. So, Steph, why is mindset so important? Mindset is so important because it really, honestly, it impacts everything. And we're not talking about just school. We're talking about everything. From the minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep, you have to have yourself in a mindset that you can get things done and do what you need to do. And just like you and I have talked about sometimes when we're having emotional days because there's things going on in our lives that are out of our control, but they're sad or whatever, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to have a mindset 
that is going to let yourself get through what you need to get through. Mm-hmm. You know, almost forgiving yourself yes. if you don't get it done, if you're having a hard day. This is something I think we actually talk about a lot. The self-compassion, mm-hmm. and I think having a fixed mindset versus having a growth mindset, obviously one is much more compassionate towards yourself. Yeah, And this is something that we've been talking about with our boss lady group. Yep. So we have a group of women who Steph and I work with a lot to kind of help on the business side of things. And one of the things that we were talking about is we wished that we could talk to ourselves the way we talk to each other. <laughs> Because we're so compassionate and supportive and loving with one another and forgiving of one another. And yet we all seem to struggle with talking to ourselves that way. Yeah, we're very critical of ourselves. We're very critical of ourselves. It's helpful to have this group of amazing women who are like, Rachel, you don't suck. And here are the 17,000 other things that were happening in your life today. And so today was when? (laughs) even though it didn't feel like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, having that accountability with each other, I think is also important, which is something that ed therapy absolutely helps with is having accountability for your mindset. It's something we're constantly discussing. Yeah, it really is. And I think that the first step in really understanding it is becoming aware of it. Mm -hmm. The same kid that I've been talking about with Milkshake Girl Mm. she's very impulsive and this week her mom is going to tell her something say a special word when she does something impulsive Mm -hmm. so that she starts to become aware of it she doesn't have to choose or change her behavior she just has to notice that she is making an impulsive behavior and I made that very clear to them that that was important that I didn't want her to change what she was doing. It's right. a matter of really understanding. It's building that awareness. Mm-hmm. And how she's approaching things. Which is the first step. Yeah. This perfect segue, because in terms of how educational therapy transforms mindset, and I actually think it really genuinely does, because it works in conjunction with the skill building when we're working on the mindset. So when we're working on mindset, We're giving compensatory strategies. Their students are starting to experience success, Mm -hmm. oftentimes for the first time in a certain area. And they're starting to see that they can do it, which feeds lovely and beautifully right into having more growth mindset about things. And so the first step that we really work with students on in the assessment phase of educational therapy is building their own awareness, us building awareness about what's going on with them. And starting to self-reflect with them on why certain things are happening. This can be emotional. I think it's really good that we're following up with the SMART goals because that was actually the first step for a lot of kids in recognizing what's going on when they wanted to reach their goals. Yeah. Like what is the thing that's preventing you? So for that kid that I used the example of he wanted to get a better grade in science, and we really had to go back and look at what was it that was preventing him from getting that grade? And then what was it that was preventing him from preventing him, basically working backwards? (laughs) So that was starting to build of awareness. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is critical because, you know, a lot of times parents will say, I don't care about this particular test. What I care about is having a resilient kid. Kids who are resilient have a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. They don't live or die with failure. And so something that we often coach parents to do, 
because we have a lot of really high performing parents, right? Mm-hmm. And highly successful parents. And I remembered using this strategy when I was teaching preschool. I told a really, really on top of it mom. I mean, her executive functioning was out of this world to the extent that I would lean on her mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And I told her, you need to start failing in front of your kids. Mm-hmm. And because it was impacting her kids, they were just it, she was rather perfect. And it was transforming to her daughter and her daughter really wasn't able to tolerate failure or making a mistake at four years old. I remember she looked at me and her eyes got big and she goes, I just don't make mistakes, Rachel. And I said, fake it. (laughs) The goal of the day needs to be somehow making a fake mistake. Even if you didn't really make the mistake, be perfect at faking a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's great. (laughs) It's really important to, to when you have failure as the adult in the family, to model that you don't shut down, literally talk through the mistake, this is where I could have done better, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So we also teach students the power of yet. So Steph, I know you mentioned it. You want to share what that is? Yeah. So a lot of times the power of yet, we've talked about this before, but putting yet at the end of a sentence when a kid will sit there and say, I can't do this. And I'll say, yet and they'll go those are these are the kids that have been around for a little while and they'll go mm-hmm. yet and mm-hmm. and then I'll say let's re-say say it say the whole thing yep i can't do this yet so there's a really great book called i can't do it yet it's linked in our freebie it's linked in our freebie and it's a great book for the younger kids and it's all about this girl and how she's using yet, learning really the power of it and having a growth mindset. So sometimes when I have kids that are heels in and Mm. literally I have to stop everything and we'll read that book. I'll read it to them. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a great, a great resource for you parents to just read as a family. That's a great book. So Steph, I know there's one more book on our freebies list that you wanted to make sure you highlighted for Our Smarties. Yeah, this book is called – it's so great. It's called Mindsets for Parents. It's Strategies to Encourage Growth Mindsets for Kids. And this book, it explains growth mindset. Okay. And it also talks about in the chapters what are mindsets and how do they affect our children. So it gives you some background. And then it says how can we help develop perseverance and resiliency? What about mindsets at school? What can I do at home? Things like that. And it gives real examples of how you can change what you say to your kid. Oh, is this the book that you give to parents? Yes. I love it. Yeah. So I've had parents actually ask if they could take it home and then they like it so much they bought me a new copy. I've had that happen twice now because they've taken it home over the weekend and written in it and then just brought back a new copy saying that they liked it so much they needed it. In their own library. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Smarties. As a reminder, Steph and I will now be holding office hours in our Smarties of the Learn Smarter podcast Facebook group. So if you haven't yet joined the Facebook group, go do that because the first Thursday of every month, Steph and I will be holding office hours. We'll be there to answer your questions and talk a little more in depth about some of the topics that we've been podcasting about the last couple of weeks and also give you a sneak peek about what's coming up. So come hang out with us there. Again, we're going to be 
going live in our Facebook group on the first Thursday of the month at 11 a.m. And so the first Thursday we'll be going live will be on February 7th. 2019. Yeah. Just in case you're listening to this episode later. (laughs) Yeah. And just know that in our show notes is a link to our group. So you can ask to join there. Perfect. Oh, that's nifty stuff. I didn't know that. Well, that's why you do your <laughs> you do your lane and I stay in my lane. Yeah. Anyway, Smarties, we're still accepting applications for on-air coaching calls, and those have been really fun to receive and read. And if you're not interested in doing an on-air coaching call, but you would like to spend some time with Steph and I, go ahead and go to the Work With Us page on www.learnsmarterpodcast.com. If you want to be considered for an on-air coaching call, email us. DM us, say something in the Facebook group. We got you. Yeah. All right, Smarties, have a great week. Have a great week. See you next week.